Hi, I'm Gar Sanders. I'm Jamie Wincup. I'm Lee Holdsworth. I'm James Courtney. We're the Forex Angels, and you're listening to the VA Insiders. It's your weekly dose of V8 news on the V8 Insiders. Now here's your host, Craig Revell. It's the night before the 500. The qualifying races have been run with Jamie Winkup and Steve Owen on the pole. Uh, nine weeks off. I still uh, I might put the put the labels back on the pedals of which ones to go and which ones to stop. We look at all that and more today as the red lights go out on the night before the 500 edition of the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Murphy's back was not problem enough for him to keep him off the circuit. The New Zealander opting for a drive this weekend following the surgery during his break. Uh, so And so far it's been okay, no, no dramas um, and the racing we've done, or the laps have done, you know, I hopefully it'll be right tomorrow. Daniel Gaunt was circumspect about him missing out on the race, telling the V8 Insiders that he was glad to have had the chance to work with the team and the extra testing and practice sessions. Drivers and team owners agreed that they did not want another nine-week break in the future, with Dean Fury, Frosty Winterbottom and Charlie Swerkholt from Dick Johnson Racing telling the V8 Insiders their thoughts on the break. We needed a break first first year in uh, to for all the boys to regroup and actually get a break and see, see some of their family because they've been... Um, just flat out, um, you know, for so long. But I think the break should be shorter, and um, we'll work on that internally, sort of as a category, and um, make the necessary changes for next year. Yeah, I'm, I'm a driver, so I want to be in the car all the time. But I think my opinions differed at the teams because that gave them a, a fairly good, um, you know, a fairly good break. It's been a long break. We've all been really busy getting everything prepared and all that sort of stuff, but. It's probably a little bit long just to keep the momentum, you know, flowing and all that sort of stuff. But, yeah, quite a lot of the boys had holidays. I didn't. I was out there looking after all our sponsors, travelling Melbourne, Sydney, etc., and all that sort of stuff. But um, it was it was good for the guys that had some time off. They needed some time off. But it is a little bit long, I think. But... Uh, we're all going now, so it's all good. Mark Scaife said he would consider taking a wildcard offer if it was out there. I mean, I haven't really thought about that, Craig, to be honest, but if something come up at some point, then if something happened and, you know, you could, we could have a run, well, you know, fantastic, but it, it's, it's certainly not, it hasn't been on my radar so far, but if, as I said, if something come along, we'll have, have a bit of a look at it. Qualifying for the 500 provided an interesting day with the Group 1 qualifying session seeing James Moffat, the first driver off the circuit, bringing out the red flag. Steve Owen was the quickest, confirming the confidence Triple Eight had placed on the V8 journeyman. Yeah, I, I think in one respect, being in the Fujitsu Series this year has, has been such a positive because you just expect to roll out and you know and be up the front and start off pole. So it's a little bit of a change of, of suit, but um, similar mentality with the team. So you know, I feel like I'm just privileged to be a part of it. As Warren Luff. In the Courtney car secured second place, Shane Van Gisbergen showed consistency topping off the times on Friday as well as third fastest on Saturday. Garth Tander was fourth quick with Barguana and Perkins also in the top six. 
Skaik was fast early in the session, making the top 10, but it was balked on his final lap. In Group 2, David Russell was lucky to escape a big off, but Tony Riccadillo was not so lucky bringing out the red flag. Lowndes, who led the time before the red, had an off which allowed his teammate Jamie Winkup to take the top spot, until Rick Kelly bumped him off with five minutes to run, and that time held up for the rest of the session. James Courtney, the points leader, finished in fourth place after being well down throughout the qualifying. Will Davison turning around what has been a disappointing year with a fifth place. Steve Owen had the drive in the race in the Group 1 qualifying race. He led untroubled from the front of the field. The battle for the race was between Jason Barguana and Garth Tander. The former teammates offering no quarter. Bargs taking second. Come on, you think Garth Tander's going to make it easy for anyone? Like He was a little bit stronger on the brakes probably, but we had uh, better rear grip and better mid-corner speed. So... It was just a bit of time. I had to just keep pressure on him and we got through. Shane Van Gisbergen was able to take third ahead of an ailing Tander and Jason Richards. Group 2's qualifying race saw Rick Kelly drive away from the field. The Jeff Emery car getting bogged causing a safety car allowed Craig Lowndes to close the gap. But Kelly held on in the three-lap dash driving away from Lowndes who finished second. Courtney third. Richo and Frosty for Ford Performance Racing rounding out the top five. With the field set, it's Wing Cup and Owen on the pole with Rick and Owen Kelly out of position number two. James Courtney and Warren Luff start out of third with Lowndes and Scaife starting out of position four. It was nuts. There were cars going everywhere. I was, I was three wide going down into Honda um, with a couple of, I say co-drivers, no, no disrespect, but they're, they're not usuals in the cars. And, um... Wing Cup happy to see Steve Owen take the win, allowing him to stay out of trouble to claim the pole. Yeah, it was all looking a bit hairy, but somehow we all managed to clean it all up and, uh, hey, we ended up with the pole position. And what does Wing Cup think of the qualifying race format for the LNH 500? I like the format, but uh, at the end of the day, it's... If, the, uh, if our supporter base liked it, well, then that's a, it's a positive. We should keep it. And that's the news on the V8 Insiders. After the break, Paul Marinelli and Melville Wilkinson will join us as the night before the 500 continues. Controversy Corner is next when we return with more on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. you watch the action on TV. Now, read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. The views expressed on V8 Insiders, including the panellists and guests, do not reflect those of the network, Thunder Media, sportradio.com.au or V8X Magazine. Any publication or rebroadcast of the show without the expressed written permission of Thunder Media is strictly prohibited. Hi, I'm Jason Richards. You're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the night before the 500 with Neville Wilkinson from V8X Magazine and John Bannon from Auto Action joining me. And guys, we've seen a very interesting two days of action out on the track so far. Neville, uh, yesterday the changing conditions really gave us some surprises with co-drivers doing extremely well. Yeah, I think they were told, keep it on the track or else. We'd seen uh, today a lot more stable conditions, cold at first, but dry. And uh, the dry was a surprise because people like Marcus Marshall and uh, other names, uh, Shane Price, who's running with Tony D'Alberto, 
very good in the practice sessions. Unfortunately, it didn't go well for them at the end. Uh, well, no. At one stage, I saw them doing a, almost doing a lap on the grass. <laughs> um, so, yeah, that that didn't help. I mean, the standout today was uh, Steve Owen. I mean, what can you say? It was, I think he was nearly the fastest guy everywhere. I, I think, was it Rick that might have pipped him on a bit of a lap time in that second race? But uh, it was Steve Owen that set up the um, the front row start for Team Vodafone. Your thoughts on the uh, qualifying races? Oh, well, they were obviously very exciting. There was a lot of passing, I mean, particularly that last one there, which uh, could have been a bit of a disaster for Jamie Wincup had things gone uh, slightly the wrong way for him, but he uh, managed to pick his way out of trouble, and, uh, and obviously he's got uh, the ultimate starting position being on the, on the front row tomorrow. Rick Kelly showing a lot of speed. Last year, you will remember that Todd Kelly was able to win a qualifying race, and uh, of course, the second time out here at Phillip Island with the uh, postponed Bahrain race. It was Rick Kelly who managed to get a podium. So they seem to have found something at this track which uh, is really working well for them. Well, yes, and they've done improvements this year, but not where you think. I mean, they're, they're fast, and I don't think they're that much... F- they haven't got any magic thing, but what they have tried to improve within the team is also their reaction time to problems that crop up a flat... Uh, they have to replace a front spoiler. So they've improved within the team itself to speed that process to be able to, uh, how can I say, um, perform when a situation comes up. And so I think that's where they feel that they've got not an edge, but they've really caught up to other people. And obviously the speed today for tomorrow is just... They were, they were fast, very fast, and surprisingly fast. I don't think I've ever seen those Jack Daniels cars that fast. Mm-hmm. And the biggest surprise coming out of the Kelly Racing Camp, Barguana second and beating on the back end of Garth Tander. Well, that was fantastic to see, and, and that overtaking move, I think just about every uh, pair of hands here at Phillip Island was, was clapping. It was good to see Bargs back up the top there. But unfortunately for Cito, uh, he wasn't able to, to back it up, and... James Moffat ha- had the same uh, problem in, in his car as, as well. Both those cars will, will uh, start ne- near that top ten, uh, but it could have been so much better by the same token. And interesting what we're finding in these qualifying races is that if you get one good result, it really locks you into that top ten. If you have two top ten finishes, you, you can be really mired down the back, John. Well, that's exactly right. In fact, it seems to really hamper people who have two midfield results. You you sort of end up really nowhere, but that one good result uh, can really push you right up, even if uh, you you end up finishing uh, way back, like we just mentioned. And there was some symmetry there. Bargs finished second, and for a long time in that race number two, Seaton was second last. (laughs) Well, it just shows you that... (laughs) Sorry, guys, but uh, Cito's probably a bit too old for V8 supercars anymore. I mean, he was a, a legend in his day, but the sport's changed and the cars have changed, and, and um, Cito doesn't have it anymore. Let's hope, hopefully, it'll be different tomorrow. I mean, you, I mean, when you're racing traffic, it's always harder, but I, would, I expected Cito to be higher, to be honest. It was interesting, too, that we saw the strategies of when teams would pick to have their driver in which race, and Team Vodafone had both Craig Lowndes and Jamie Wincup in the second race, which 
put a, probably a bit more pressure on their co-drivers, Mark Scaife, who had a disastrous start, and uh, Steve Owen, who ran away with it. Well, I think in Mark and Steve, you have two very capable drivers, and obviously things didn't go according to plan for Mark at, at the beginning there, but they very much did for Steve. So from that perspective, uh, it was very much the, the, the right call, and I mean, that, that other 888 car's not uh, too far down in the pack, and uh, you'd expect that uh, both Scaife and Lowndes will be uh, very, very strong tomorrow, perhaps uh, the strongest pair. I mean, they've, they've got the runs on the board before and the experience to do it. You're not prepared to make the same call no, on really. Scaife as Seaton as you just made on Seaton, Nev? No, I think um, Scaife and Lowndes is the strongest pairing here. Um, I'm actually a bit surprised how uh, well HRT didn't go. Um, I talked to, after the first race, I talked to Garth, because he was getting gobbled up, and he just said there was no grip. And, and his look to me was, I don't know what to fix on the car to get more grip. It's like, what do we do? It just there's no grip. And um, other people have got grip. Garth didn't have it. So I would say to people, keep an eye on HRT, um, because they have a very long day. They're going to do some, there's a lot of work to be done tonight. I don't know what they're going to change, but going to, it could be a very long day for them tomorrow. And Will Davison had no grip either, John. He backed up, it looked like he was on seven cylinders at some stage because he couldn't carry in any mid-corner speed on a track that has the steering wheel turned 75% of its time. Well, I think we have to remember here, it's, it's hard getting these cars set up for in, endurance trim uh, in that you've got two separate drivers with two different likes in, in the car and you're trying to adjust to those things all, all the time. And we even, even saw in the press conference here James Courtney saying, well, his setup was, was all over the shop for, for his, his run and he won't be doing that tomorrow. So I think a lot of them, even though they were qualifying races today, I, I don't think any of them were too... F- phase those top runners where they finished i think it was a bit of testing to make sure that everything right is right for tomorrow and guys uh, one thing that has been startling is we've come out of a nine-week break not only are all the organizers seeming to be still on a break or just come out of one but a lot of the drivers are saying they're very rusty as well and it hasn't had a unanimous vote from owners or drivers the big long break now well we know that drivers and well no the fans don't like it they want to see more racing who knows whether it's worked or not because the honestly is the crowds are bigger here at phillip island than we've seen in the past couple of years and there's more people watching it on television has it really not worked if there's more people watching the sport maybe it was you know absence makes your heart grow fonder type thing you know so uh, who knows and i think it's going to take a, a couple of months to assess whether the break was successful or not now Fanland, yeah, they want races closer together, and I can pretty much guarantee that VA Supercars, when they announce their calendar at Bathurst, are not going to have a nine-week gap. Um, how long a gap may be, there might be a gap four to five weeks, maybe even six, but definitely not a nine-week gap. Well, we need to take a break on the V8 Insiders night before the 500. We'll be back with plenty more after this. Take in the V8 of the races. You watch the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers. V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. 
To ask a question of the V8 Insiders, just email them at v8insiders at sportradio.com.au. Hi, I'm Craig Lance from Team Vodafone, and you're listening to V8 Insiders. Welcome back to the V8 Insiders. Night before the 500, Neville Wilkinson and John Bannon here with me, Craig Ravel. And John, you've been out and about travelling uh, today. What have you thought of the Saturday crowd here? It, to me, I thought it was a little bit down. Well, yeah, I think there probably isn't the amount of people that V8 supercars are were hoping for, but I don't think that's an, an issue for for this track. I think it's probably a little bit of an issue across the board that V8 Supercars perhaps would would like to address and, and find out why uh, th- they can't get more crowd numbers. I mean, we all know that the, the football codes do very well in bringing supporters in, and, and I guess V8 Supercars need to look at a similar way to ensure that they get the sort of numbers that that they are after. The weather has certainly been a major factor the wet lead up to this race and then of course the the less than pristine weather we've been seeing across Melbourne and across the Phillip Island area Nev, it, it does make it difficult to drag people down well particularly if it's raining in Melbourne because Phillip Island's far enough away that it can be sunny in Melbourne or sunny in Phillip Island while it's raining in Melbourne the thing is the weather we're having in Victoria is actually standard Melbourne weather We've just been in a drought for the last six to nine years or whatever. So um, I think it's a bit unfair saying or thinking that this is something unusual. It's not, you know, and, and okay, there's been a lot of rain and it's not a good thing that people, fans can't come in and park here. They have to park somewhere else and get bussed into the track, which obviously there's some contingency plans that V8 supercars have put down and that seems to be working well. But, you know, it's pretty tough when you actually can't drive into the circuit and stuff like that. But we'll see. Tomorrow's no football in Melbourne. The AFL last game for the week is uh, tonight or on the Saturday night. Um, So we'll we'll see how many people get here. It's interesting, though, because the grand final here drew some very good crowds and they were very lucky that the championship was coming down to the grand final every year. The LNH 500 in these three years has struggled a little bit and of course with football on and taking over from Sandown is a is a big ask because uh, you have got at least of the ability to go to both in the one day yeah what do you want me to say to that I agree I mean I honestly people don't go to a race and footy people watch footy on telly it's it's the it's the it's the, it's the um it's the uh the ratings thing um did, did this work well when it was the first round in the series? Phillip Island is is f- funny like that. You can get kind of get a good crowd, but you sometimes you don't know why you get a good crowd. Um, being the last round, yeah, well, that's never going to happen ever again. We've got the Sydney. So what do you do with it? I know they tried, they've brought it, they, they replaced, Sandown used to be the round before Bathurst, now they made it Phillip Island. Maybe that was V8 Supercars trying to see if they can get a better crowd here, make it a long-distance race. It is a track made for long-distance race. It's a beautiful track here. And this is part of what the whole conundrum is, is it's such a great place and the crowds could be better. They're not bad, they could be better. And, and John, of course, they've pushed hard. They've gone with the camping. They've gone with tonight an activity with the, all the drivers and a sausage sizzle for the people at the track. They've, it's not as if they're not trying. Oh, I think overall they're doing a very, very good job. And I, I think as Neville's touched on, I don't think the crowd numbers are, are terrible or disappointing by any means. They're probably just not 
exactly where um, that they wanted me. But then again, I don't have the figures in front of me. So to that extent, I can't answer the question because I don't know how many people exactly were at the, the track today. All right. Who's going to be at the track tomorrow taking the uh, trophy on the podium? It's a tough question, but I actually think the Kelly, the Kelly car will, uh, with Owen Kelly and Rick Kelly, provided that uh, they keep out, out of trouble. It's very quick, and uh, as Neville's touched on as well, surprisingly so. You can't rule out uh, Lowndes and, and, and Scaife, but I guess we'll just see what happens. Nev? I'm not going to rule it. I still put my money on Lowndes and Scaife because I think they're a very f- flexible combination. They can, they can duck and weave at uh, whatever's thrown at them. Owen Kelly, uh, I knew he was fast, but it surprised how well he's done. Um, I think there's a very flexible combination, and I think flexibility is the key because it could, it, there could be a shower. It's, just, it's mm. Victoria, it's Phillip Island. There could be a shower through a local shower, and it could sort of cat amongst the pigeons. Um, the Kellys, yeah, definitely in there. Um, the thing is, I'm surprised how, well, I wouldn't say bad, but like I said, HRT is probably not as strong as I thought they were going to be, and that's probably the, the cat amongst the pigeons in mind because I would have I would have put HRT second if not challenging, but unless they make some serious changes, it's it's they're slightly uncomfortable in that team. Yeah, and I guess the other thing that uh, is quite interesting is you go into that team Vodafone dynamic, and you have Wing Cup and Owen who are just dead set serious. They're down to business. They're talking. Um, they're talking very seriously, they're talking with their engineers, and they just seem to be all business. You see the other two jump out of the car, Lowndes and Scaife, and they're, oh, man, we were sideways, and you see the arm actions and the gestures, and there's a real different dynamic just across the garage there on how these two guys are looking at this race. Two of them look like they're having the ball-tearing excitement, and the other two are going, we've got to get that championship lead back off Courtney, who's a man we've virtually talked about virtually haven't talked about. Well, he's definitely one to keep an eye on as well, and just by the mere fact that he's got a, a lead to defend. And Luff has acquitted himself quite well. So um, you can't discount that team. And, I, I, you know, they're a bit of the quiet achiever because they're up in Queensland, all in so is Team Vodafone. He's kind of like, you know they're going to be up there. Um, again, do they have the... Does Luff have the flexibility to jump in the car and do double stints and stuff? I think he has. Um, but they didn't quite seem on the pace. They weren't quite up there, but they're up there enough because they finished third. Well, they're third on the grid. So, John, your thoughts on the uh, Jim Beam Racing? Oh, well, they're obviously a, a strong combination. They've been there or thereabouts all weekend. James leading the championship. He's got a lot, of, lot to play for. Warren knows that. He's a very experienced campaigner. I think the guy we've overlooked a little bit in this discussion is Steve Owen in that uh, he hasn't put a foot wrong all weekend. He hasn't put a foot wrong virtually all, all year in a car except his little, uh, I guess, incident in, in Townsville in the Fujitsu series. But other than that, he's had a, a perfect year and uh, I, I think he's a great asset. And he was, qu- as, um, uh, as uh, Win Cup said today, I feel like the number two driver, and I, th- I think that says it all as to how strong that combination is. Mm. Okay, FPR, Frosty, and uh, Lukey, Lukey Yulden for this uh, weekend. Uh, they've also been there and abouts, but 
They've only been top five. Do you think that's going to stay tomorrow? It's an endurance event. Anything can happen, and and they've got the combination to be able to deliver a, a result in in that regard. So I guess we'll see. Mm. And I've been looking at a roughie there, the bottle car. Canto and, and Dumbrell. Ruffy, you're right about that. <laughs> him, uh, sorry, Dumbrell and Canto. They've really been uh, they've really been one of those mid pack disasters for FPR. And I guess we've really been waiting for the the big disaster for FPR, which is the frosty disaster to happen. Well, I don't think the frosty disaster is going to happen. I mean, are you, what are you expecting a disaster to happen for FPR? Um, who knows? <laughs> this race. All endurance races usually throw up something unusual. Um, who knows where that's going to come from? Uh, I, I, felt, I felt that the, the FPR, especially the uh, Stevo and um, Frosty, their cars were quite strong. They were up there, especially that second race. Um, so who knows? Who, who, <laughs> who knows? And mind you, the guys. This is only qualifying racing, so the guys are trying to keep off each other, not turf each other into the wall. No, you know, if they went off, it was usually because the driver stuffed up. It wasn't because he got spun around or something like that. But sure, there was a little bit of that going on. But um, really, the, the seriousness starts tomorrow. And if you're in the top five, you got a chance. I mean, everybody's got a chance in the whole field. But if you're in the top five, you must be like, yeah, that's not too bad. You know, that's far enough up the front to possibly stay out of trouble at the start. And that's basically what teams want to do. Start, settle into a rhythm, and then let the race come from there. Well, what do you think you're going to love about tomorrow, John? I think the excitement of having a field of drivers that have never paired up together before. I think that's where the excitement lies. You don't know who's going to win, where it's going to come from. Uh, it really is a lottery tomorrow, more than any race, I think, than any endurance race that we've seen for quite a long time. Well, I think we're both going to love it. John Bannon from Auto Action, Neville Wilkinson from V8X, thanks very much for your time, guys. No worries. Thank you very much. The White Flag Lap is up next here on the V8 Insiders. Night before the 500, Greg Murphy talks about something that's dear to his heart, the uh, call for help for the earthquake victims at Christchurch. Find out more about your favourite supercar teams and drivers when we go inside further on the V8 Insiders. You've taken the V8 to the races. You've watched the action on TV. Now read about them in V8X Magazine. V8X Magazine, dedicated to just one thing, V8 Supercars. Showcasing some of today's best writers and award-winning photographers, V8X brings you all the news and in-depth interviews demanded by today's V8 Supercar fans in one action-packed magazine. V8X, the number one magazine in V8 Supercar coverage. Out now. Hi, I'm Shane Van Gisbergen. You're listening to V8 Insiders. On this edition of the White Flag Lap, Greg Murphy may be recovering from his back nerve injury but he was very mindful and concerned of the victims of the Christchurch earthquake. I don't think I don't think uh, people really realise how bad it is. You know, it's uh, it's it's substantial. I suppose the difference is um, that no one was killed. You know, so you know I, I think the Haiti um, earthquake was around the same size, and you know they lost thousands upon thousands, tens of thousands of people were killed um, in a, you know a very populated area and and you know unstable sort of. Um, buildings and infrastructure whereas you know obviously New Zealand's a little, little bit ahead I suppose in somewhere like Haiti so um, it's but still you know the, the damage is horrific people displaced from homes hundreds of thousands of, well hundred over a hundred thousand homes apparently so you know that's that's over well over a couple hundred thousand people uh, aren't living in their their usual dwelling so 
um, that's pretty serious. Um, I suppose, fortunately, you know, we do have better infrastructure to cope. But um, you know, a lot of I know a lot of people down there, and, and everyone, every single person that I know down there has been um, in some way affected uh, through their business or um, their their personal, you know, home. So it's a it's a shocking scenario, and and um, you know, so it's just lucky that no one was hurt or seriously hurt. And of course, uh, you're calling out for people to help. Oh, you know. Yeah, it's nice for people to think about it. Um, there is uh, obviously some people are going to be uh, going to lose out more than others, and um, but it's, you know, it's nice if uh, people do contribute. Um, but you know we are, as I say, pretty fortunate over there that uh, it's not um, not as bad as you know a third world country, <laughs> and uh, you know the government is there to support it as well. So, uh, but yeah, I mean, a lot of people do need help. My thanks to Greg Murphy, and you can donate online to help the victims of the Christchurch earthquake at redcross.org.nz As a check of Flake Waves over another edition of the V8 Insiders Till next time round, keep smiling and bye for now. Join us next week for more V8 Insiders only on v8x.com.au